Bitcoin is more than just technology, it is an idea. Um, the technology is a manifestation of that idea, but Bitcoin is much more than that. We can see that by its other manifestations that have and are appearing, mainly in the form of, of a religion. this podcast finds you. Welcome to the Did You Know Podcast. I'm Dustin, your host. So this is going to be actually a solo episode. I haven't done one of these in a while, but it was actually spurred by a tweet by Pierre Richard in which he stated that USD, US dollars, is a religion while Bitcoin is a science. And this is not a knock on Pierre, um, but I think it's a common misconception that a lot of people have. So this will be not really a, a total deep dive, but kind of a medium dive into a variety of topics, but mostly about the the kind of intersection of faith, science, and everything like that within Bitcoin. So what's defined something? Um, I, I would like to actually define religion uh, using Emil Durkheim's uh, description of it. He described it as, quote, a unified system of beliefs and practices relatives to sacred things, i.e., things set apart and forbidden, beliefs and practices which unite in one single moral community called the church, all those who adhere to them, unquote. And I've actually been guilty of being pretty critical of this view of Bitcoin as a religion since one of my earlier tweets about this subject, or I say probably one of my first tweets really about this subject, I was actually criticizing uh, Giacomo Zucco he did a long tweet storm kind of talking about Bitcoin and he actually mentioned and he used the term immaculate conception about Bitcoin's immaculate conception in relation to other coins, basically kind of mimicking uh, Bitcoin in their creation and that Bitcoin had this immaculate conception. There hadn't, I mean, there'd been some attempts, you know, uh, uh, Bitgold or uh, uh, Hashcash, but those had all failed. They couldn't make it work uh, mainly because of the double spend problem and things like that. But Bitcoin came along and kind of was immaculately conceived, like no one saw it coming. This wasn't Microsoft, a team from Microsoft working on it or nothing. It was one guy, anonymous, we'd never know who he is. And he just created it, released it into the world. It was very much an immaculate conception. Um, and I actually, I think, I don't even know if I still have it up, but I, I retweeted it and said, you know, kind of in the... Uh, uh, capital, um, capitalizing and uncapitalizing different words in there kind of as a, as a joke, um, in that SpongeBob meme format of it's not a cult, right? Um, because at the time I was thinking like, no, Bitcoin is a movement. Uh, it's a, it's, it, it fits in kind of with politics and things like that, but like it's, we don't want this to be this culty thing. Right. Um, and over the last year or so, I have come to really understand, how Bitcoin actually is and has become a religion, um, why it is necessary for its survival. It's a necessary step and kind of an inkling um, of how it's going to man manifest itself over the future. So um, Bitcoin is more than just a technology. It is an idea. 
Um, the technology is a manifestation of that idea, but Bitcoin is much more than that. We can see that by its other manifestations that have and are appearing, mainly in the form of, of a religion. Um, now, I know that Bitcoin has re reached kind of cult status. And by cult, I, I basically mean an emergent religion. I mean, every single religion was a cult. Christianity was, it was the cult of Christianity before it became a much larger phenomenon and became what we now consider religion. But I don't necessarily know if Bitcoin has really uh, reached the status of religion per se, mainly because it's a very subjective term. And while there are definitions, one I just read, there's no definitive agreed upon one. So it just kind of depends. Some people say, well, yeah, this is a religion now and this is not a religion or whatever. There's not a really just definitive set of going, you know, like you would uh, say, like, what constitutes, well, this is probably a bad one as well. What constitutes life? Uh, but, you know, what makes uh, an orange an orange versus an apple, right? You have kind of very set kind of characteristics of what is uh, an orange and what is an apple. So Bitcoin already has many rituals. In BTC, the main ritual is that of the full node. Anyone who is more than kind of a cursory user, kind of stalker of the space and is a believer in Bitcoin already does or is really expected to run their own full node. When you find out that people who are like, oh, I'm all about Bitcoin, but aren't running their own full node, they're kind of looked upon a little bit with like, you know, like, did you really understand what you're talking about? Because you said you understood it, but you haven't been running your own full node. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, the full node validates the history of the blockchain for you, allowing you to be certain that the information and the signals you're receiving from Bitcoin are in fact true. Or I should say the signals you're receiving from people saying that, uh, that you're receiving it from Bitcoin. You want to make sure that's true because Bitcoin will tell you the truth. People who say that they are sending you Bitcoin may not be telling you the truth. And this is enormously important um, or is an enormously important psychotechnology um, defined um, at, by Professor John Verveke, which I did an, uh, an epi interview with him. I believe it was episode 48. I'll link to it in the show notes. And psychotechnologies are basically things that humans use to kind of advance their consciousness and, and kind of understand the world better and, and can actually like help us operate in this world uh, better. And within Bitcoin, this is a very important psychotechnology, in my opinion. If you really think about it, objective truth, not one sullied by opinions or the subjective whims of others. It's not affected by incentive or the ones that are not affected by incentives to lie to you or filter through others. Um, their worldview, it's really hard, if not uh, impossible, to come by objective truth. The full node is purity of truth. It does not lie. It allows you to ensure that you're receiving um, the full truth, basically, of Bitcoin. Within traditional religions, one can find a parallel in divine revelation. It's truth bestowed or it's revealed to an individual from God or whatever deity that we're reading about. It's not filtered through human interpretation, but revealed, revealed directly from the source, right? So it, there are also elements within the full node as being a sacrificial ritual. Um, you are sacrificing time, um, whether it's, you know, keeping it up, um, getting it started, uh, uh, doing the initial uh, uh, block syncing and everything like that. You're also sacrificing money, 
Um, you know, a lot of people will run a separate system. You know, it's not like running a data center, but you're buying another laptop or I have a really old desktop that I bought um, to do this. And you're also sacrificing bandwidth to run a full node. You're, you're limiting your ability to do other things with that bandwidth or sacrificing the speed because that bandwidth is being taken up. Um, and the longer you are at Bitcoin, the more of a sacrifice it is as the blockchain grows. As the blockchain grows, you are going to need more storage space. So you're going to have to spend uh, time and money to, to do that as well. Uh, the node ritual is also a community ritual as you're assisting in basically the common defense of the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, by participating, um, by participating in this, uh, um, you, if you are, if you're keeping your Bitcoin on exchanges or in wallets that aren't connected to a full node, um, you're really contributing nothing to the defense of truth in Bitcoin. You're merely kind of living off of those who are willing to sacrifice for that common good. The full node is also a signaling ritual to the community of your intention to join it basically as kind of a full member in Catholicism. Baptism will signify usually as a child, sometimes as an adult. Baptism signifies your loss of original sin. Um, and First Communion, which is the where you take the, the Eucharist, the body of Christ, brings you into the faith community as a member, but really it's confirmation, which happens um, as, a, as a teenager, um, yeah, mid to late teen years, kind of signals that you are intending to live the life of faith in adulthood. The node tells the community that you have enough understanding of Bitcoin because you understand the need for it and you have a commitment to make those small sacrifices for it and that you've gained enough knowledge, you know, like I said, to, to, to recognize this need to um, use it for, for yourself selfishly, but also for the community to help defend it, to help um, um, secure it. Um, you're confirming that you are, you have an intent to live life as a Bitcoiner. Um, support signals that you receive when you do this also help bind you to the community. People will say, hey, great job. Um, you know, glad that you're helping secure the, you know, the Bitcoin and you'll receive kudos, likes, retweets, shares, whatever. And this kind of creates a positive feedback loop. It helps to bind the community together. Hodling is another important ritual in Bitcoin. If you're unfamiliar with the term and its origins, I did a short mini cast on this. It's about 10 minutes that you can listen to it. Did you know crypto.com slash mini one M I N I one, or it'll be in the show notes at did you know crypto.com slash EP six, three. That'll be all the show notes for everything I'm mentioning in this episode. Um, so with hodling, while you don't, and you definitely shouldn't reveal the addresses you hold or the amount of, that you hold public. You, you don't do that publicly. Affirmation of your intent to to hodl, to hold Bitcoin long term, indicates that you understand, as the community understands, that you will forego short term gains by by selling or even kind of cut your losses to a certain degree as price dumps for the sake of belief in a brighter future, for the faith, right? For the faith of Bitcoin and the fruits that will come with it at a later date, very much like living a righteous life. 
and at the end of your life, if you live a righteous life, um, as you pass away, your soul will gain the actual the fruits of of immortality um, in 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 the next world, versus the short term gains of just um, mere satisfying wants and needs in the immediate. Um, so by the dip is also kind of part of this ritual as it signifies you're making another sacrifice for the greater good of the community. Every Satoshi that's held in hodl, uh, that that's being hodled is taken out of circulation, much like Satoshi's coins. As long as it's in hodl, it's as though not to the same extent as if it was burned or something like that, but it kind of doesn't exist for everybody else. Um, like collectibles. If, um, Every collector for something, let's just take baseball cards, just bought and sold it really, really, really quick at a fast pace. This would drive down prices because it's showing that there's a lot of turnaround. Um, there's not a lot of people that are valuing this long term. Uh, while strict, restricting the amount available can lead to higher value of, of Bitcoin, um, of the Bitcoins that do exist, that are circulating, as well as those being hodled because this shows that there's a large community that values this for for a longer term um, uh, in expectation of a future value. And this also shows the community by hodling, by saying that you're hodling, this shows the community, community that you wish to increase your wealth and their wealth um, that you kind of are putting this forward over your own, right? Because you could take that money, you could buy Bitcoin and then quick sell it for a quick buck. Or you could take that money and you could buy something like a car or um, a nice dinner or whatever, something that you would rather have. But you're signaling that I am going to do this for for the community. I'm going to make this sacrifice now, anticipating something in the future. But all the ups and downs that are going to come in between that, right? All the heartache or whatever of going, well, I could have sold for this much at this point or whatever. It helps signal to the community that you value um that you value the community, that you value the faith, that you value the the the, the concept of the the, the future the, the future of Bitcoin more than you do the, the short-term wants and needs. Um, Bitcoin has also created holidays, um, ritualistic days of obligation that observers of Bitcoin kind of recognize and celebrate. Interestingly enough, actually the most celebrated day is a day that honors the first real world, the first real world value transaction, not the first transaction, but the real world value transaction of Bitcoin, which is kind of almost the opposite of hodling. But we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, that is this holiday, the biggest one that we really have is Bitcoin Pizza Day. And this is the day where the first transaction of Bitcoin involved um, well, so Laszlo, um, I don't want to butcher his last name, but this gentleman traded what is now worth billions of U.S. dollar values in Bitcoin for a couple of Papa John's pizzas, which in turn really kind of created the first metric um, for valuing Bitcoin. Before then, people were just sending them around and it didn't mean anything. It wasn't traded for, for anything else. Like nobody was buying pens. Um, if you're listening, I'm holding up a pen. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't traded for anything. So it's really hard to ascribe value if you don't have an anchor. If you don't have something that you can, can relate to. Um, in, in marketing, uh, a lot of times they use uh, something that they call an anchor, where you'll have a couple of choices, but really you only have two choices. One of them is just used to anchor 
to help you understand the value of the other things that are being offered and really kind of push you in another direction. This is this was anchoring in in something tangible that people already knew and understood the value of Bitcoin. Um, while hodling is actually you know is often I should say anathema to spending it on such goods as this, its utility this this events utility in helping to kickstart the valuation of its worth allows it to still remain within the canon of Bitcoin until a better or more important day is found. Because without having a metric, without having an anchor of real value to really establish what is this worth, you're not really hodling anything until it has value. So it's not actually opposite of hodling in this specific instance. I, I, I think that it's actually the, the, the creation of, of, of where hodling could even exist. If you don't have value, you're not hodling anything. You're not holding anything. Um, so there are other minor holidays that we actually also have. Uh, the release of the white paper in October, um, January 3rd, the creation of the first Genesis block. Not the first, the Genesis block, the first block of Bitcoin. Um, January 12th, the transaction involving um, Satoshi sending Hal Finney 10 Bitcoin and you can, oh, never mind. It is covered up on my green screen if you're watching on YouTube. But behind the green screen, I actually have a framed picture of the tweet uh, that Hal Finney um, put up that said running uh, Bitcoin. And this was uh, just two days prior to that. And um, so we have these you know, smaller ho holidays. A lot of people will um, retweet on January 10th as well, the running Bitcoin tweet, which is the very first public acknowledgement right there there was a few people in the in the in the mailing list um that kind of were in the world of, of, of cypherpunk and cryptology uh cryptography uh that that knew about bitcoin but really nobody outside of that had any idea and Hal's tweet while it's not like you know it's like it's not like something now that like president trump tweets and you know uh, millions of people see it but he basically told the world that Bitcoin existed outside of a very small group of people. Um, we also have dietary restrictions. Um, many religions have dietary restrictions. Famously, Islam and Judaism have prohibitions on eating pork uh, or other animals. In Christianity, um, more in Catholicism, um, Orthodox, Anglican, uh, there is a prohibition on eating meat, um, it used to be every Friday. Um, now it's mostly during the Lenten time frame up uh, the 40 days before uh, Easter Sunday. You don't eat meat on Fridays. Um, this is to, to kind of, meat was very expensive. Now it's relatively cheap thanks to the free market. But it was very cheap back in the day. And usually most people didn't eat a lot of meat unless they were well off. And this is kind of show like a solidarity with, with, with the poor. Um, so these dietary laws can have a multitude of reasons for existing one being um kind of this roundabout way of early understanding the dangers of eating certain foods um so religious context was kind of attached to keep the greater community healthy right so th this is speculation though but some people have speculated that the uh, restrictions on pork was just because of you know trichinosis if you don't cook pork well enough especially if they have worms and stuff like that it can you can get very sick by it uh, we don't have as much of a problem really with that today because of the market as well um, provides a, a much higher quality of, of, of products um, 
in the, in the, for the most part. Um, it also helps, uh, these restrictions help to separate the group, the in-group, the group that you are in or this religious group or whatever, or Bitcoin. Um, it helps to separate that group from others, making it easy to see who's in-group and make it easy to see who is an out-group as well as those who are wavering in their faith, right? So for, for Muslims, uh, you can tell that somebody is not Muslim um, if they're, you see them eating a bacon sandwich, or you can tell if somebody in your community is maybe wavering in their faith, if they are, if you see them or had heard that, that they'd eaten something with, with pork in it or other, uh, restrictions or alcohol or things like that. Um, so it's useful as these kind of signals to the community. Um, and Bitcoin, while this is still a smaller group within Bitcoin, the carnivory, carnivory cult has gained traction. Many Bitcoin events, um, especially the Bitcoin only events involve specifically identified like carnivory only, uh, invite only or not invite only, but, um, uh, meals where, you know, in, in conjunction with these larger conferences, they'll have these carnivory Bitcoin meat dinners and things like that. Um, that kind of gives you access to kind of this subsection of the priestly cast within Bitcoin. Um, or those, you know, if you just want to say those with influence that, that, that is greater than your own. Um, this, I think, is kind of, I, you know, this is just mere speculation on my part, but I think it's kind of a, a, a bit of a, a reflexive uh, action or reaction to the Ethereum community, which Ethereum is kind of currently the closest in, in valuation and, and kind of, um, if you want to call it energy, as far as for people attracted to being involved in it. Um, I, I'm not saying that Ethereum is on par with Bitcoin at all. I'm just saying, like, it's the closest contender, quote unquote. So Ethereum, members of the Ethereum cult are seem to be more on the leftward side of the, of the political spectrum. And so I think adopting a trend that's found more in conservative or maybe if not conservative counter left circles is kind of a way to set Bitcoiners apart from that outgroup from Ethereum. Um, to uh, to help identify one as being part of the Bitcoin faith. It's not that carnivory means that you can't be involved in Ethereum, or if you're a vegetarian, doesn't mean you can't be involved in Bitcoin. Excuse me, but it is a way, um, or could be a way that Bitcoin is trying to develop more signals to signal in-group and out-group um, um, you know, individuals uh, within the faith. Um, we also have a lot of symbolic imagery in Bitcoin, and that that is actually being woven into the story of Bitcoin right now, much like the early oral histories and teachings of, let's say, the Christian church that later became written dogma and holy text. The Immaculate Conception. Uh, this is a term that I mentioned earlier that uh, uh, Jack Muzuko had tweeted, um, that he tweeted out and I was initially, you know, very skeptical or repulsed by or whatever. But now I see its use and its legitimacy. So Bitcoin was conceived in a purity that other crypto projects cannot attain. It was the first. It was not done after another came before it and paved the way and showed that there were social and monetary incentives to do so. Bitcoin did that. Bitcoin, like I said, fail, or, I'm sorry, followed many other failed attempts um, to do this, you know, um, hash cash and all that kind of stuff. But after it was created, after it was shown to be its success, and early followers were 
rewarded for it, right? So that those one those people that were involved very early, um, whether it was just an accident or whether it was because they saw the value in it, they were rewarded monetarily, right? Where these previously valueless Bitcoins um, became worth a penny and then 10 cents and then a dollar and so on and so forth. But it's near impossible for a new startup crypto project to not really be cast in somewhat of an unclean, uh, in unclean kind of intentions. Since if it's even moderately successful, it can offer a promise of prosperity that makes unclean those intentions of the creators and proponents in a way that Satoshi and his followers were not. doesn't mean they're bad people. What I'm saying is that there's always that thing hanging over where if you can make your project, your crypto startup become very successful or even moderately successful, you can make a lot of money. And so it's really hard. It's impossible to cast aside that idea of, of the fact that this is not a total purity of intentions in the way that Satoshi's was. Um, Satoshi himself is really uh, a religious figure. I don't think too many people would, would doubt that kind of the way that he is perceived. So he is not known. Um, we don't know his origins, his opinions of really almost anything outside of Bitcoin. And importantly, we don't know his failings. These are all completely uh, obscured. So with the Buddha, uh, we don't know, you know, before he set out on the path to enlightenment, uh, all basically before that, we really don't know that much. Um, it wasn't until he was kind of setting out on that path that the story really kind of, it becomes much richer and more detailed. Christ's life really before the last three years of his life and his ministry is barely really known outside of uh, his conception, uh, his birth. And then after that, it's like fast forward up into the point where he's he's starting his, his, his ministry in, in Judea. And what is known as mainly regarding, like I said, these ministries and, and uh, for, for both these people, Buddha and, and Christ, what we know uh, is mainly once they started to kind of really initiate their ministries and what they offered the world in terms of philosophy and theology. Satoshi himself is only known through what he wrote pretty much just about Bitcoin. He doesn't have a long tomes writing about uh, his opinion on movies or, or science fiction and things like that. There's really... Um, we don't have this collection of, you know, what Satoshi was doing 10 years before that, um, before he released Bitcoin. We have none of that. Um, his disappearance, though, it allowed himself. This is this, one of the, the smartest things that I think that he did. It allowed himself to be elevated to a mythical figure. He was not drawn into later fights and disagreements where he could really be turned into a mere man by siding himself with one group or another. It's not that there weren't disagreements and things like that early in Bitcoin, but not to the level where we've seen um, since 2017. He left before his reputation um, could be sullied. I, you know, I was going to say before his reputation could be tested, but that's not really a, a fair thing to say. Is He left before he had to come down from the creator of Bitcoin to opinion of a man. Um, he left us only with his invention, his religion, his, anan uh, his anonymity. Um, it allows for a clean slate of sorts for people 
of all walks of life to project their own beliefs on him and and thus to adopt his religion. Bitcoin thrives because both a capitalist and a socialist can find truth in his faith. Both a socially conservative and a libertine hedonist can find value in adoption of his mind virus, his religion. His face, you know, it cannot be painted. They, they, they can't sculpt a bust of him. But the faith he released can overcome you. And uh, as Gigi, a, uh, a Bitcoiner that I've interviewed a couple times, um, that a lot of this insight is drawn from um, my, my interviews with him and the way that my mind is, has, uh, has developed on this subject. Um, he said you cannot own Bitcoin, but Bitcoin can own you. Um, and let's read uh, Emile Durkheim's description of religion again. This was actually the first time I heard this was in my uh, interview with Vin Armani on episode 50, where we actually specifically, we discussed the specific cults of Bitcoin, kind of the difference in the cults of BTC versus BCH versus uh, uh, the subset of B BCH, BSV. And I would give that a listen to. It will help you give a, a, a bit greater context. Finn has some great insights that have really influenced my my thought uh, as well on this on this subject. So Emil Durkheim's um, description of religion again is a unified system of beliefs and practices related to sacred things, i.e., things set apart and forbidden. Beliefs and practices which unite in one single moral community called the church. All those who adhere to them. So Bitcoin is creating right now, as we speak, whether you've been here for the last six months or the last five years or longer, through this period, even right now, it's creating this unified system of beliefs and practices, right? We're all involved in kind of signaling as to what beliefs and practices are the, the most powerful and should be adopted. You know, Bitcoin has sacred and profane things. It has rituals and beliefs that set one apart um, from others, and it, it has, uh, it, you know, it, there's a, that it really sets it apart from the vision of Bitcoin from others. You know, the the mind virus of Bitcoin does unite Bitcoiners um, into that single moral purpose and community. So, I do believe that this concept of religion and Bitcoin is a natural outgrowth of Bitcoin, as I mentioned earlier in, um, uh, in, in my episode with Gigi in episode 57, The Great Awakening, um, I mentioned that a lot of evolutionary biologists see religion as a natural evolutionary adaptation of humanity, um, a way for us to grow beyond just being mere animals, just trying to survive. Um, Joe Rogan and others have uh, cited the stoned ape theory um, that it may be, you know, early humans use of psychedelics that help kind of expand the consciousness and grow beyond just being another offshoot of, of primates. Um, and that may be true, uh, but religions, which may have been, in, you know, influenced by, by this, that, that same stoned ape theory, religions help to bind communities, to create connections, to make sense of a strange and unfair world, but it also opens your mind to more than just mere animal instincts. You think of death, what lies beyond, what happens after you die, right? This is not something that, that a gazelle thinks about. Um, 
What created the ground that you stand on? What created the stars in the sky? What is beyond those stars? The creativity to create these ideas, to ask these questions. Like I said, it's not something a zebra or a monitor lizard is thinking about and contemplating, but humans do. So I'm not, I'm not making the claim Bitcoin as an organism set out to create a religion from the, from the beginning, from the outstart. But like any organism, there are mutations that are dead ends and that's just a bandit. Um, those that allow it to grow, those that allow it to thrive are adopted and nurtured. Um, the creation of religion in Bitcoin is what led it to grow. The rituals uh, that secure it and bound the community to that purpose of its success and growth of the organism were reinforced. It was a natural evolution, I think, of Bitcoin to recognize that religion was its key to evolutionary survivability in a world filled with, frankly, competitors that want to see it dead. But, you know, it lives. So, going back to the original tweet by PR, uh, Pierre, sorry, by uh, Pierre Richard, the dollar does have aspects of a religion as well. Um, mainly that involves faith. All money really kind of involves a form of faith. There is a religion you will accept dollars for something. Um, there's a, I'm sorry, there's a reason you will accept dollars um, for something that you sell on Craigslist versus, you know, linen paper uh, of the same quality with smiley faces. Um, this is probably not the best example compared to US dollars, but this is a 100 million um, Bolivar note from Venezuela, right? And let's just say that that this was worth, um, you know, $100 or something like that. If you just took, took the same paper and took all the images off it or just the paper before any of this is printed on it um, and you just put some smiley faces on it, you're not going to accept that the same way that you're going to accept this note. Um, you have to have faith that another person will have faith in its value to take it. Um, while you have no faith that smiley faces on paper will find a suitor out there that's going to accept them. Uh, money is implicitly an agreement between people, um, you know, two or three or a thousand or a billion people. That's really it at its most basic, whether it's sound money or it's fiat money. That's what underpins its ability to function. This is kind of an argument I was actually making with Nick Zabo that he blocked me for, which kind of bothers me to this day because I did like following him and I just, I, I didn't understand because he didn't really have much of a retort for, um, or I should say, I, di I didn't find his, his retort that compelling. Um, you know, basically it was that he said that well, I'm just not going to agree to believe in a collective fiction. Um, but, you know, the collective fiction of fiat money. I agree, but we also live in a world where if the majority believes in a collective fiction, we can recognize it for what it is, a collective fiction. But we can hedge ourselves as well for the collapse of that fiction, but we, can, but we still participate in it. And as long as that collection, collective fiction is still intact, it, 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 it doesn't make it, um, less of an agreement. That agreement is there. The underpinnings for why people are agreeing, you can say are, are, are better or worse. But Bitcoin also requires an agree agreement to survive. If Satoshi had released Bitcoin 
And right now, he was still running the only single miner node out there, right? He was the only one mining, the only one using it. I guess he wouldn't even really be using it, would just be sitting in his wallet. And no one else ever joined in. No one else ever participated in an agreement of value in Bitcoin. It, it, it really has no value. So Bitcoin has value because it has all these traits. It has, you know, the, it has the traits of, of the technology that's behind it, but also the mind virus, the religion, all these other things, uh, the, the breaking of the shackles of going like, what else do we not need third parties and, and, and trust? Um, and others to do what else can we decentralize right i'm not a believer in decentralize all the things per se in the way that it's personified in this community but you know bitcoin is is with all these things if no one no one not one person in the world agreed that it had any value then it doesn't have value you still have to have an agreement you still have to have faith and you have to find have find other people who have faith to be able to actually infer any kind of value onto it. So fiat does require faith though, um, that the other will accept it. And the US government specifically states this in the dollar, uh, that it is backed by quote, the full faith and credit of the US government, unquote. Without a gold backing of the dollar, it's no longer backed by gold, the fiat or the euro or the ruble or whatever is only backed by the faith you have in whoever is backing it to co-sign basically that it has value. Um, there is actually a larger argument that, that can definitely be made that fiat is a religion and that belief in the state or corporal power um, requires faith in the morality of the social contact uh, contract and the uh, the ability, like I said, the full faith and credit that, that you have faith in that which backs it um, to be able to do that. So there, there is the, you know, I, I do see that argument, um, but I don't think it's a faith in the way that we're talking about with Bitcoin. Um, there are people who are proponents of the dollar, say like out there saying that the dollar is the best, you know, uh, uh, th that they're saying like, it's, you know, it's better than a euro, it's better than a ruble. People should be, you know, other governments should be, you know, holding dollars versus uh, more of their own national currency or whatever. But there are not, however, people are talking about, you know, you should adopt dollars at dinner tables in the EU or trying to get their friends. Well, you know, once you set up this uh, computer system to monitor the M3 money supply, like Bitcoiners advocate a full node, even even a seemingly religious ritual of framing that dollar bill, that first dollar made at a, at a, at a business is not really about that dollar itself, but the accomplishment, what it represents, the accomplishment of finding a customer, your first customer, the success of making that first sale. It's about faith in yourself. It's about um, um, recognizing that uh, now you have a tangible representation of your belief in yourself uh, is now able to be put up on a wall that you can point to and say, I had an idea, I did it, and someone else believed in it, and there's proof right there. It's faith in yourself, in your vision, not actually the dollar. So uh, in, in wrapping this up, I think the Bitcoin community is slowly coming around to this realization, uh, albeit quite slowly. Those who focus solely on the economics or the technical often miss, I think, the forest for the trees and the larger idea or of the larger idea of Bitcoin, the faith of Bitcoin, the mind virus that was unleashed, and really the full impl implications going forward. This is not a knock 
um, on any uh, people that I've been talking about or a particular person or anybody out there who's listening and goes like, I absolutely do not agree. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to say anything about you or impugn your intelligence or anything like that. Um, but it is interesting that so many Bitcoiners participate in a faith that they, that they won't recognize. Um, you know, like I said, this is not a knock on anybody. We're, we're all in different stages and realizations in this journey. And, and no one fully understands Bitcoin. And I would venture to say I don't think anybody ever will. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Did You Know podcast. Please consider supporting the podcast. Go to supportmypodcast.com. You can um, see all the different ways of doing that. Um, as well as get free listener-supported discounts, absolutely free. Things like Onnit.com, Tracer Wallets, Bitcoin Tax Software, Mushroom Coffee, things like that. Absolutely free discounts. Um, you could also, I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star written review on iTunes. If you're on um, YouTube, I never get this right, right down here you'll see a little red subscribe button. Or if you're on mobile, it's uh, right down there by the description. Click subscribe, hit that little bell on there so you get notifications whenever I upload my two or three or more uh, videos a week. Um, also, give thanks to my uh, sponsor, eToro. Go to uh, digitalcrypto.com slash E-T-O-R-O, and they'll give you $50 for free, and it also lets them know that you came through me, um, which I would really appreciate because it helps continue the sponsorship so I can buy new cool stuff to make this podcast even better for you. But most of all, uh, I do want to say thank you so much for listening or watching, um, you know, taking time out of your day um, to, to listen to me. So thank you so much again, and I'll see you soon.